When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Evil Man. Oh, Chris, you, you get better at that every time. I love the little flourish on the end of that one. What a world, what a world. Reminds me of the of Satchmo, Louis Armstrong, and his great song, what a wonderful world. <laughs> yeah. What a wonderful world. <laughs> I wish they would, um, with technology today, I wish they could digitally clean up Louis Armstrong's voice so it sounds better, you know? Yeah. <laughs> what a wonderful world. <laughs> the way it was meant to sound. I see trees. <laughs> I see grass. <laughs> I see flowers. <laughs> I see your ass. <laughs> and I think to myself, damn, I like this place. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, honestly, Louie, get a grip. Louie, 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 Louie. Armstrong, that is. <laughs> <laughs> if Louis went on America's Got Talent or The Voice in today's climate, he wouldn't make it. He wouldn't make it. The first bloody round. Too gravelly. Yes. Right? Yes. Back in black. <laughs> I hit the sack. I'm all alone. I'm glad to be back. Oh, I went to. Can you Louis Armstrong up some other hit songs? Um, um, Karma Police. Oh my God. Oh, Karma yeah. Police. <laughs> do it. You do it. Karma Police. Resident Man. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just. I just did that off the top of my head. How about um? <laughs> how about like a prayer? Oh. When you call my name, it's like a little prayer. I'm down on my knees. I wanna take you. There. Imagine Louis Armstrong wearing the same very revealing outfit Madonna wore in that oh. video. Life is a me story. What a wonderful world. <laughs> Louis, um, we're getting notes that uh, maybe we don't want to. <laughs> it's like he turns, he turns living on a prayer into an old rag. Black holes, won't you come? I really like in the real Black Hole Sun, Chris Cornell's harmonizing with himself when he goes high. Black hole sun. Yeah, yeah. A black hole sun. Oh, that song's so good. <laughs> I I yeah. went to karaoke this when you were singing uh, Back in Black on Saturday night. I went to karaoke. Oh, Michael. Nice. You know songs where like someone's not a great singer and they pick a song way out of their range yeah. or out of their league? Mm-hmm. So there was a shy um, singer yeah. <laughs> who picked uh, ACDC's Thunderstruck 
And oh, Brian Johnson yeah. has like a really mm. hard voice to maintain, like if you're trying to impersonate him. Yeah. And within halfway through the first verse, <clears throat> the guy had blown his voice out and had to keep going for four and a half more oh, minutes. Oh no! Another. Yeah. Yeah. Thunderstruck. <laughs> You've been thunderstruck. You understand? <clears throat> Can I get a glass of water, please? I've been thunderstruck. <laughs> I've genuinely been thunderstruck. <laughs> Another um, real rough one is when someone does like a funny song or like a parody song. I, I have seen that. Oh. And Peaches. I felt so bad. Um, Which Peaches. I, moving to the country. Like oh. the presidents of the United States. I was I, thinking of the Stranglers. That's oh. such a good one. I, I really, really, really like the guy. He's a really nice guy, but I saw a guy do a Tenacious D song, and it it didn't go well. Oh, and I the, thought... The crowd wasn't laughing at each punchline at that's karaoke? that's the thing. It's not, it doesn't work with, like... It's sort of just funny that you're really singing. Yeah. It doesn't work if you do I'm, a joke song. Excuse me, yawning. I'm really bad at karaoke because no. I feel so embarrassed. What, Chris? Like but look at you on stage doing stand-up. I you know, have but just I'm not total singing. confidence. I think I tried hard a few times, and I'm a bad singer, but I tried it. I tried to give it my all. Heart? I like a... Crazy on you or crazy... You say heart? No, I... I don't know what I said. I did. I know the songs. I did. Oh, I did only a fool. No, what's yeah. only a fool? No, I'm a fool to do your dirty work. By oh, Steely I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I did the uh, the one that German song. Four, three, two, oh. one. Below oh, us. Yeah, I love that song. That's a good one. And then I did uh, the alligator song, crocodile song by David Bowie. <laughs> and, and, and I'm an alligator. I'm oh, an alligator. Oh, Moon Age Daydream. Yeah. I do the alligator song by David Bowie. <laughs> Everyone's doing the <laughs> alligator <laughs> ride. <laughs> but I like it when he's, oh man, it's, you know, we were talking about Bowie <laughs> earlier before we started because I've been doing. I've been playing drive-by Saturday, a drive-in Saturday, like over and over again today. <laughs> it's my favorite. It's my favorite song today. It's I've known it before, but damn, that's such a good song. But anyways, really giving her at the end of Moon Age Daydream, dream, dream, <laughs> giving really giving her at the end of Moon Age Daydream is so cathartic because it's such a beautiful emotional ending. Do you know what I'm talking about? He's like, keep your electric eye oh, yeah. on me, babe. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, when you sing it really, when he says for real. The lyrics, put your space face close to mine. Yeah. Oh, the tears start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is a space face? It's been a while since someone put their space face close Remember to it. mine. <laughs> Truly put their space face close to mine. Makes me think of an office space when that guy, remember that guy goes, I'm going to show her my O face. Oh, oh. Remember that? <laughs> There's an no. annoying, in office space. Yeah, there's an I annoying do, guy. James, you always bring everything back to office I'm space. I'm an alligator. Okay. Mm. James, you always bring your O face game to the <laughs> table. Well, I just love the joke. <clears throat> well, um, show us your not your O face. These uh, this time of year, people should be showing us their Christmas face. Their whole, their whole, whole, whole face. face. James, uh. do you try and get to your O face on Christmas morning? Uh, no. Maybe New Year's Eve, if you know what I mean. Do you try to get your O-Face timed perfectly with the countdown? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever made love on as a clock struck midnight? Yes, and it was hard. I put too much pressure on myself to make it 
like come in the new year and then i couldn't keep it up because i was putting too much pressure on myself mentally i was like come on that's yeah. tough that's tough. i could keep it up but not with this kind of pressure it didn't work we should get an erectile dysfunction sponsor <laughs> what's that <laughs> one <laughs> blue chew <laughs> anybody out Limpetus. there who works for an erectile dysfunction company and you want to sponsor us send us a dm Yes. We probably have a lot of guys with ED who listen to this. I mean, I, I meet fans <laughs> on the street all the time who come up to me and they shake my hand, they pat me on the back, they say, love your show, I can't get an erection. <laughs> uh, Are you a fan of evil men and can't get a nice, hard, rigid cock? Do you want to know um, a dumb thing I saw in my uh, building's laundry room? Oh, God, was it so a pair this, of gigantic oh, underwear no. that someone forgot? <laughs> this is just great content I'm, I'm, I'm providing us here. Yeah. So, you know, if you live in a building with a shared laundry room, it's annoying. Yeah. I, wish I, I wish I had laundry in my own apartment, but I don't. I have to go to the basement, and, um, you know, there's the laundry machines, and there's the dryers, and the dryer has the old lint tray, right? Yeah. And after you use That's the dryer, sick. you're supposed to take it out and clean out your lint. Or right? also fire could freaking start, dude. Yeah. Right. I don't know how you guys feel. It's like wiping yourself after using the bathroom. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> that's what I that's what I always remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the lint tray is the toilet paper of the laundry machine. <laughs> the dryer. Yeah. <laughs> but, but here's how I feel personally. Mm. If the person before me hasn't cleaned the lint tray, yeah. I don't really care that much. No. I just scoop it up and I throw it out. Yeah. But you do make maybe a slight mental note that they are irresponsible. Yeah, fair. Anyway. But I I saw in the laundry room, in a little Ziploc baggie uh, pinned to the bulletin board down there, someone in my building, I guess, was doing their laundry, noticed the lint was full, scooped it up, put it in a baggie, pinned it to the bulletin board and wrote a note that was like, Please clean your lint out. Look at this. Oh, that type. Isn't that crazy? James... Does a fussy man live in your building, or is it a there are a fussy lot old woman? of older people in my right. building, and oh. there are a lot of fussy people. So right. I'm I have a lot of suspects for this in my head because you're the cool, like you're the most punk rock guy. In your Sadly, <laughs> in the last couple of years, there's some younger people in the building that, younger oh, than me now. No. Oh does no, suck. you're I the know. old dude. It's getting that way. All the old dudes. Well, there was a lady in our old building because um, we had a recycling garbage room and all that who was constantly making signs about cardboard boxes not being broken down enough in the <laughs> oh, recycling bin God. or plastic containers not being rinsed enough. There was a speck of food in it. Oh, yeah. So but she's I, probably like digging through the garbage. Yeah. Like, oh, here's another one. Oh, there's a pee on this plate. Like, yeah, because <laughs> it got in my head so much that I really made sure I personally broke down cardboard boxes to the uh, max. I do too. I do too. Yeah. Rinsed all the dishes. Tipped the. F- I mean, even like, yeah, plastic containers, I would wipe them before throwing them in. And I'm like, and then I, it looked like the garbage room was pretty tidy all the time to me. So mm. I was like, man, yeah, like what you said, she's really fine tooth combing it in there. It doesn't seem like a good way to live your life to worry about lint and a bit of food on someone else's carpet. <laughs> on, her, on her deathbed, her last words will be like, oh God, I was anal. <laughs> Clean out the inside of my coffin. <laughs> there, there is a, I uh, there is a lady in my in my. You know building. when you die, you shit yourself. 
do a good job of cleaning that up. <laughs> uh, I like this lady, but there's a lady in my building who once sort of confronted me because I, if I have like a lamp or a plate or something that I don't yeah. want anymore, instead of throwing it out, I leave it on the sidewalk. Yeah. Within yeah. an hour, someone takes it. Always. Yeah. I live in a busy area. Yeah. And this lady saw me leave like some plates I didn't want or something on the thing. And she goes, um, are you leaving those there? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Someone will take them. And she's like, ah, I just, she basically told me she didn't want vagabonds coming around. <laughs> Getting new Looking plates for, for their yeah. dinner plate. Oh, like, we're gonna eat dinner off these. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, okay, I guess I could just throw these perfectly good plates in the garbage. Would that Finally, make you happy? Some plates that will spruce up underneath the blue tarp. <laughs> oh God, the property uh, has uh, decreased by one million dollars <laughs> yeah. because five uh, plates were left on the curb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the uh, the caddy from uh, Happy Gilmore took our plates. <laughs> standing outside. You know, um, <clears throat> this is another good time that we should talk about. What can I ask though? Oh, sorry. <clears throat> did you just give in and take the plates back, or did you? Oh yeah, I really didn't want to argue with her. I can't remember. <laughs> I pretty much mildly pointed out that I don't think it's a big deal, and I think she kind <clears throat> of acquiesced, but wasn't. I'm gonna say really something now. It. I'm picturing a Margaret Atwood type woman. This is almost James Zonian. <laughs> Oh, because right. I really do notice, and I feel like our listeners have got to have noticed uh, by this point, and to the one guy who gave us a bad review recently <laughs> on Apple Podcasts because we talk for so long and we don't teach you anything you can't learn online, go fuck yourself, you nerd. <laughs> Two weeks it, running, we're telling this guy. <laughs> we did it before. We brought it up before. I don't think we brought it up, this guy. Up. No, I think we did briefly. What, yeah. What's his name? I don't know. Nerdface. But what I'm getting at is... Uh, but also if you listen, oh yeah, we did make fun of if you come and listen to this podcast to learn something. Yeah, yeah. But James, out of the three of us, I bet stands up for himself the most. <laughs> A lot of your stories are about, like, you know, I think Mike and I would just be like, ah, okay, because we wouldn't want to hassle, so we just do what the person says. But you really go for it. Well, I appreciate that. When I you mean, believe in something, you stand up for it. I'm sure there's loads of time I'm an extreme pushover. But um, I appreciate that. Sometimes a switch goes on and I, I do stand up for myself. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. The guy who gave us a bad review's name no is The Gutless Wonder. Uh, appropriate name. Yeah. Yeah. Nice name you picked there. Didn't use Very apt. Yeah. Didn't. I mean, it's hard to make fun when he's just fully making fun of himself, but still. <laughs> Joke's on you because if you don't have guts, you're not going to shit yourself after you die. Yeah, jokes on you, sir. You're not even going to have that experience. Fucking <laughs> hell. This is what I wanted to bring up. But thank you for saying I stand up for myself. Cuz no yeah, I guess you Well, I'm afraid of you now. You confronted that guy uh who had uh caused problems back in the spring. That's right. I confronted the man who lives across from me who yelled at my girlfriend. The yes. Springer shirt. And you yelled at yes, him. Yes, and yeah, I yeah. glare at him every yeah. day when I see him in the I wish he'd move. Hey, speaking of sports, tangentially. Yeah. Are, you're all about the World Cup right now. I really love the Canadian team. I yeah. got really into them watching them qualify. Yeah. And uh, we were really good against Belgium. I think we should have we won, and then Croatia really kicked our butts. Yeah, I heard. I mean, yeah. I've been watching you and Phil and Glenn talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Phil and Glenn. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so you guys thought, okay, so Canada should have been better than Belgium. 
Yeah, we were bet we played better than them, but lost sadly. Yeah, but Croatia was Croatia smoked whipped our butts. Yeah, yeah. And then also we were talking about what do you guys think? And Mike, you're basically half from the UK now. So what do you guys think about the UK Pardon? fans? <laughs> what? Oh, what's the question? <laughs> yeah, so you can you yeah. you'll be into this. You're a one. Brit, Mike. You're well, basically well. a yeah yeah a Brit now. Um, so what do you guys think about the UK fans throwing paper airplanes at the US fans and yelling 9-11 during the UK US match? That's crazy. Is that confirmed? People were tweeting that, but is it? Did they? Did they actually? Throw I did paper see planes? speculation that maybe that was made up, but at least on Twitter, people were making British on Twitter fans people were, were going hard for sure. Jokes. I think it's yeah. funny. <laughs> it's certainly um, it's certainly next level heckling. You yeah. don't see that at a Blue Jays game. No, you don't see Blue Jays fans going, "Hey, Aaron Judge, nine eleven much?" <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, creativity points. Also, but it's funny because being Canadians, we're so close to America and so. Um, their culture is so seeped into us as well mm. that 9-11 is this crazy holy thing that's mm-hmm. like off limits and it got to be super respectful and it's almost like scary to bring up. And there was something weirdly cathartic to think about people across the pond <laughs> taking the piss out of it because it's it's 21 years later. Yeah. 2,000 people died. I mean, one of Obama's drone strikes probably took out 2,000 people at a time. Also, we just went through like two years where like a 9-11's worth of people died of COVID every day. And we were told like, oh, get over it. (laughs) Yeah, so like it's weird. It's like because I guess what I'm getting at is the tension of (laughs) 9-11 being used politically for 21 years was it was kind of cathartic for that to be like taking the piss out there was definitely a few if that's a few years where it was like don't mention 9-11 you know so i guess maybe that builds up after a while and it is oh we brought this up with the bill maher episode and gilbert godfrey got canceled because of it (laughs) that's right yeah and bill maher bill maher said they were brave (laughs) (laughs) yeah well, Bill Maher took the piss out of it right away. Fuck. He did, and he got fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Any other World Cup uh, watch that uh, our listeners would be into, our um, sports fans? Mm, we have a sports thing on the Discord, too, if you want to join the Patreon. That's right. Yeah. Everybody uh. talks sports and wrestling on there all the time. That's right. Uh, it's too bad Canada is out, um, but I do like seeing a nice big smile on the face of a Croatian man or woman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, and you're Irish Hungarian? Yeah, I've, I'm not Croatian. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I was wondering. No, no. You know, <clears throat> you know, it was kind of dark. Our, <laughs> I mean, this isn't really funny, but oh, hmm, sorry, our, no. no, no. Go ahead. I was just remembering when they showed during the first Canada game yeah. against Belgium, yeah. they showed the the bench, and for some reason, astronaut Chris Hadfield was on the f- fucking bench singing "Oh Canada," and he was there. Are you sure that was him? Yeah. They brought the astronaut to Qatar to inspire the team. Uh, I assume he brought his guitar to sing him some to them some songs. Are and- you saying Qatar or guitar right now? Guitar? <laughs> I, I, I don't even know. Chris Hadfield was in guitar playing his guitar. <laughs> this is like a, a Abbott and Costello routine. Yeah. yeah. Wait, though. who's yes. on guitar? <clears throat> That's pretty funny. <laughs> um, well, that astronaut is probably the best we have in the 
our country. <laughs> One thing that was <laughs> He's a, probably the best guy we have. A real bummer was when we were getting smoked by Croatia, panned to the crowd, and there was like six guys in Mountie uniforms yes. kind of cheering us on, and they looked really sad. They looked sad, like, which was oh, so funny. God. <laughs> it was a bummer. Oh, sure. Sad Mounties? This isn't going the way we thought it would go. <laughs> Our, our goalie? This two-week course uh, really helped me get a nice outfit. Yeah, they must have spent thousands of dollars going over there to a place you can't really have fun. Oh, well. Yeah. Um, our goalie is Serbian. Really? And so I think he was a Croatian uh, Serb, and he plays in Serbia. And he got his ass kicked by the Croats. He got his number leaked before the game, and he got thousands of awful texts threatening yeah, basically his yeah, life. Yeah. And people were hanging si- really dark, bad signs. Do people still sort of carry that oh, war yes, in their I mind over so. oh, yeah, 30 yeah. years ago? It was ago kind of so? fucked up. Like, it was really crazy. Really? Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> the Balkans. It certainly the, seems so. Okay. Should we do a live show there? In the Balkans, in each of the states? Yes. Of the Balkans? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I also Montenegro, we do, here we come. <laughs> I also think we should do a live evil men show that finally unites Israel and Palestine. I've been wondering I if we should do that. I think it's up to us, to be yeah, honest. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I don't it's know. It's not a bad idea. We could I have... want, yeah, I want everybody in the world to stop fighting, and I want mm. peace on Earth. So wherever there's a good start for that, I'm game. Yeah. No, I, I would be into that. You know, whenever you're blowing out candles or yeah. <clears throat> putting a, a, di- a dime or a nickel into a fountain... You know, or going over train tracks, whatever like way you get like wish, you make a wish. Mm. Throwing a penny into a well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish for world peace. Don't you think that's fucking nice? That's so sweet <laughs> and nice. Thanks. <clears throat> beep beep. <laughs> Before we get to our evil man, as always, we want to mention that we have a Patreon account. If you go to Patreon.com/slash/EvilMen. You can sign up, spend a few dollars a month, which is what's that? The price of a beer, one beer or something like that, or a couple of teas? A cup, It's the price, as, as we always say, it's the price of a couple of teas. <laughs> um, and for that small amount, you support us, which we're ultra grateful for and uh, makes us feel great. And you get two bonus episodes a month. We're going to record one right after this, so it's going to be amazing mm-hmm. um a little boner a little boner we call them a bonus episodes a boner and you get to go in our discord uh where you can chat with us uh, and other evil men heads and when we do live shows and stuff last live show we we reserve seats for the patreon people you basically get treated like a damn you know a royal a person of royalty if yes. you sign up for our patreon lady my lord exactly yeah. we'll do anything you want us to if you sign up anything and um anything. also if you already signed have signed up thank you so much Yo. we appreciate it so much it really means a lot to us and if you just can't do it you can't sign uh, join our patreon or you don't want to um maybe you could rate us and review us negate mm. the sort of bad review we got from that dink thanks for real <laughs> Also, we're recording in Sophia's warehouse again. Yeah. For present day gifts. Mm. And Christmas or the holiday, how whatever you celebrate, is around the corner. Literally. And uh mm-hmm. the gift baskets made at present day gifts are we you've heard us mention them before. They're extraordinary. There's so many beautiful mm-hmm. uh and delicious products to choose from to put yeah. in your gift baskets. 
Okay, so that's presentdaygifts.ca, and you can use code EVILMEN to get a discount. Present Day Gifts. Check it out. Thanks, Sophia. Mr. Michael, I see a glint in your eye, and that can only mean one thing. You've chosen an evil man to do. Yes, you're right. I can't put one past you, can I, James, or Chris? Um, yeah, I noticed too. Yeah, I'd be a terrible poker player. That's right. You've got yeah. your grinning ear to ear. Yeah, like the Cheshire Cat. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, enough about the Cheshire Cat. Why don't I reveal who this week's evil man is? Please, please. I'm excited. Please. Does the name Victor Lustig mean anything to you? Um, I'm not talking about Victor, who's the green demon mascot from Just for Laughs that oh, we all grew up with. Oh, yeah. This is a different Victor, um, oh. who I had never heard of till recently, but he, I guess in his day, was basically as famous as Charles Ponzi, another oh. famous uh, con artist. The Lustig scheme. Yes. So I've me, never heard of this guy. Um, well, you're going to get an earful from me right now about Victor. Okay. So Victor Lustig was a notorious and highly skilled con artist from Austria-Hungary who conducted scams across Europe and the United States during the early 20th century. Uh, this is interesting. Among his most famous scams, he's infamous for being the man who sold the Eiffel Tower <laughs> twice <gasps> and for a scam that was called the Roman- the Romanian Box Scam, which we're going to get to soon. I think it I heard like of a the horror movie. Oh, yeah, the Romanian Box Scam? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, wow, okay. I'm interested. Right. So, yeah, so he was... He's a scam artist who was on the level of like a Charles Ponzi. Maybe a little less so, Mm. but uh, very uh, famous in his day. So let's get into it. Mm -mm. Victor Lustig was born in 1890 in Bohemia, uh, Austria-Hungary. I guess that today is the Czech Republic. Uh, Bohemian like you, the Dandy Warhols comes to mind. Or Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. Or just my whole lifestyle, to be honest. Chris's lifestyle. I'm boho. (laughs) Uh, and Victor was born into a poor peasant family. Boo. He, yeah, down with, <laughs> down with poverty. Uh, he was unusually bright and exceptionally charming. Those ones always pose such a challenge, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as he was growing up, he looked around his like dirt village and was like, mm, there's got to be a better life for a charming, uh, intelligent <clears throat> kid like me. So he left his village and set off to find uh, something better. There's got to be something better than this dirt village <laughs> <laughs> and uh he uh he didn't use his smarts to become like an a- academic or a professional uh here's what he did as a teenager he scampered up the criminal ladder and he progressed from being like a panhandler to a pickpocket then he became like a burglar and a street hustler so like think of like a dickensian little street urchin oh cute i was expecting you to uh, that he was a squeegee kid too maybe well in toronto he would have been and he would have been sent on a bus to Montreal <laughs> with the rest of them. Um, okay, so he was just—he's just making money however he can. He's a scammer from a mm. young age. He was known to be a like amazing, uh, like a card shark, and uh, he was great at card tricks. Um, mm. Someone who knew him said that he could do everything from palming, slipping cards from the deck, dealing from the bottom. They said uh, by the time he reached adulthood, he could do everything with a def- deck of cards except for make them talk. Oh wow! That's you know good. what? Imagine like you're playing cards with this guy, and next thing you're like, "Why am I? Why? What feels so good?" And he's so good at sleight of hand that his hand is actually under the table, jerking you off. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh That'd my be a good card like, trick. That good yeah. at, to distract you, yeah. so you're not like <laughs> concentrating on the game. Yeah, and I would be so distracted. Good. Yeah. yeah, it's like in the movie Swordfish mm. when uh, yeah. Hugh Jackman got a blowjob while uh, doing some important. Uh, oh, I miss Swordfish. Oh, it's good. I anyway. never saw Swordfish. It'd be hard to pay attention to the game. Yeah, if someone's um, yeah, it's a good idea. If you're good your... with ha- your hands yes. yeah, and yeah, yeah, like yeah. tricks, it's a good idea. Um. So, but he he didn't have he, not everyone loved young Victor at the age of 19 uh, while he was in Paris he was gambling and uh, he got into an altercation with a uh, romantic rival uh, Victor and another man uh, were trying to win a young lady's heart and his <laughs> rival gave him a big scar across his face that Shit. stayed there for the rest of his life that's cool I just want to take a moment out to say to our listeners that it is true that every time that James goes to a magic show and they introduce this next act is a master of the sleight of hand. James always gets quite the erection. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, sleight oh, of hand, my favorite. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true because you just imagine that he could jerk you off and you wouldn't even no, know. You wouldn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> he took my wallet and there's jizz everywhere. <laughs> and I feel does, great. Does this belong to you? <laughs> just Yeah. <laughs> The jizz? jizz. (laughs) Like a Joker card that's dripping jizz? (laughs) I don't even want my wallet back. (laughs) Absolutely disgusting. Sorry, guys. That's gross. So young Victor, he applied his street smarts and his education to... He was also fluent... But now with a scar. With a scar. And he was fluent in several like European languages and English. Uh, Very continental. Very... uh, He affected Mm. the image of a... Sort of like well-to-do, sophisticated young gentleman. This is what this was like an important part of his scams and schemes. He would pose as a count mm. or an earl, yeah, and like a very debonair. Like what? What's a movie? Is it like uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels or yeah, yeah? What is that? Yeah. Um, is it uh, the, is it the talented Mr. Ripley you're thinking of? Maybe I guess um, yeah. Someone's posing as like a wealthy. Yeah, well, you know, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Scoundrels. Yeah. Michael Caine and Steve Martin pretended to be like yeah. Yes, very Victor Lustig-like. Mm. So he would dress uh, like a matinee idol, uh, and with his hypnotic charm and his like five languages, he would attract people. Uh, during his career, he used four, up to 47 aliases and was known to carry dozens of fake passports. It's pretty impressive, guys, yeah. who can do that. I would never do. I would never do anything like that. But it, it amazing having that kind of confidence. You're no Victor Lustig, James, no. and I guess you're just not really that worried if you go to jail. I don't know. I think it was a different time too, because you could just and as, so a Secret Service agent wrote that Victor Lustig was as elusive as a puff of cigarette smoke and as charming as a young girl's dream. And I guess this was was a time obviously where you could just what? disappear. Mm. Into the ether, and no one could find you. That the, the guy who gave that description is yeah. a, a bit of a pervert, hey? Yeah, <laughs> a cop, as beautiful as a young young girl's dream. He's on the but, bed with his legs crossed behind him, like. But, like, is he is is Victor? Is this guy assuming that a man like Victor is in a young girl's dream, or that any so. young girl's dream, whatever she's dreaming about, is charming? That's because what I think he likes he young girls. That's what I'm. That's what I think. So it's not like he's as charming as like a man that would be in a young girl's dream. It's as charming as like, a young no, girl's dream. No, I think the first one. So it's like whatever dream. Mm. No, no, no. Like it's a, the man. Like a young matinee idol. Oh, like okay. A, like a Rudolph Valentino. See, James? Okay, That's I why you had wrong. to get to... You had it wrong. Not, not just the abstract idea of a young girl's dream. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> Everybody knows that young girl's dreams are charming. <laughs> That's what I thought. 
<laughs> well, okay, that that guy's not. But a it's creep. good. This is what we do. This is yes. see that guy that reviewed us yeah. doesn't understand that we really get down to the nitty gritty sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And it's only usually twenty minutes in the intro. Yeah. So, so come on. Yeah, have some fun, dude. In January 1908, uh, Victor Lustig, who was just 18, he was arrested after um, he did a scam that was referred to as a snoozer con uh, because he would check himself into the same hotel as his victims. Now, it people, I guess, are gullible in all ages, but the people back here in the 19, early 1900s seem very gullible. He booked himself mm. into... The Nemzeti Hotel in Budapest, mm-hmm. and he just dressed up like a rich guy with a waxed mustache, and he told everyone that he his name was Earl Mountjoy, <laughs> and that he worked for an insurance company, uh, and it was sent over. He had been sent over from London to do some work. Now, when he told everybody this, did yes. he just walk into the bar and announce it? I Hello, guess- everybody. I am Earl Mountjoy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be taking a seat <laughs> over here. <laughs> Yes, this one looks fine for an earl. <laughs> and everyone gathered. <laughs> <laughs> right this way, sir. Um, what did he say his occupation was? He said that he worked for an insurance company yeah. from London. And he was in town on business. And here's yeah. here's the scam. Hello. He hobnobbed with like rich looking people in the mm-hmm. hotel, in the restaurant or whatever, and he told them he'd be glad to take a piece of their jewelry with him overnight and leave behind a receipt to have it professionally appraised and return it to them the next morning. And they were like, oh, this man, Earl Mountjoy. so dumb. Amazing. And so I'm going to try that. Yeah. <laughs> would you like, if you are wondering the value of that $100 bill, I would be happy to take it and give you a receipt and bring it back tomorrow. <laughs> Hello there. Do you have jewelry that needs to be appraised? I'll take it and do that. This 12-year-old boy with a pencil-thin mustache (laughs) seems on the level. This reminds Um, me of that Ernst Lubitsch film. Do you remember that one where the two um, con artists actually meet each other and fall in love? It's really good. I don't know it. Damn it! I'll think of the title and then tell our audience. So, uh, needless to say, he walked out of the hotel with all sorts of jewelry. It never came back to tell the owners what, uh, what... it was worse. Did that he ever a- fall in love? Well, we're going to get to that in a little that bit. That is honestly their fault. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Gullible. But I guess people do fall for scams even today, but whatever. That seems particularly that's obvious. That's pretty bad. Uh, Ladies so, and gentlemen, I was talking about Trouble in Paradise Trouble by Ernst Lubitsch. Have you seen it? I have not. 1932. Right. Uh, if my eyes are not, if they're working. So it's a good this- movie about con artists in an exotic location. Trouble in Paradise. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So World War One breaks out, and um, Mr. Victor, he thinks, I'm going to get out of Europe. I guess the heat is on a bit. And he starts yeah. doing, starts crossing the Atlantic Ocean in luxury um, ocean liners full of rich people, right? And he yeah, started doing some scams. Going to America, he was doing scams on the ships. Here's another scam. He dressed like a, guess, guess this, a, a wealthy gentleman. And he was very impeccably mannered, and he told people I that love he, this guy. he was looking for investors in a non-existent Broadway production, and he's got some money from people I on the ship. I love this guy. Can I ask you something? Yes. Uh, what would make me love him even more at the moment um, is, because I don't know how this goes, but right mm-hmm. now, he's great. Uh, I love him. Colorful. But the thing is, is... Are these his own original scams as well? Or did he have some sort of special 
book from the streets because um, he grew up on the streets. I imagine that he started off doing typical cons, but then he made up his own. As we'll see, they get pretty elaborate. So this is great. Yeah. So yeah. he's an innovator, he's a trailblazer. He's a fucking genius. Yeah. yeah they call he's he was the um, uh, the Albert Einstein and the uh, Thomas Edison of scamming people on an ocean liner. Did they say that? No. <laughs> so he was the Tommy Hilfiger of uh, being a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> he used his uh, card like expertise and sleight of hand to go into a bank, and he posed as like a businessman in 1922. He conned a bank into giving him money for bonds he was offering for a repossessed property, but using sleight of hand, he walked out the bank with both the bonds and the money. I don't quite. I guess. He had really lightning fast hands. Anyway. I guess all this reveals that we do just assume people aren't going to do this stuff. Like, yeah. I remember hearing an interview with two shoplift, two guys who were like famous shoplifters, and they're like, 99% of the time, you can just pick something up and walk out of the store with it. it like, no one usually does anything. Right. And I, th- I feel like, yeah, like, if someone says, hey, I'll appraise that for you, like, we, usually we just assume this person's to not a no. total shithead. <laughs> it's because you think, no, that'd be too obvious yeah. if they were going to do yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Lustig was, he was not a violent man. He was considered a smoothie, which is the term I'd never heard before. He never used a gun, um, and records show that he was just a slight fella. He was five foot seven and weighed only 140 pounds. What, why is Whoa. he a smoothie? Because he was so debonair and slick. Oh. And not violent. He he huh. just used charm and I like that. persuasion. Anyway, me too. And also, <clears throat> sometimes like where he differs from Ponzi is his scams would literally just be incorporating his sleight of hand skills. <laughs> yeah. Like he walked out of a bank, being like, uh, "Here's your bonds back, and then I'll take this and or whatever." And then yeah. he and then they when he's long gone, they look at the bonds or whatever, and it's just like planks of wood or whatever. Like, <laughs> what the heck? Yeah. Turning them over. What the? And he's like, ha-cha-cha. See you later. <laughs> and then the teller is like, Why? I think I just got jerked off. Yeah. yeah Why is there jizz all over the... Oh, uh, no. Yeah, the, the alarm button. Oh, God, yes. Do you guys want to hear about his scam <laughs> called The Fake Church? <laughs> yeah. So he arrived in America. Is this when he dressed up like church? Dressed up like church, a church and walked and around. Was like, Put money in the church. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody walks inside of him and then he takes their money out of. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I stole that from the Chris Moore pedophile <laughs> episode where the guy is the school. So uh, in 1916, he's in Manhattan and he has the idea to set up his own church on the waterfront. And he promised the congregation that the service would swell all hearts and souls with joy. He wasn't a priest, of course. He wasn't even very religious. And he just basically copied and rewrote a speech he had heard in Poland. And he was such a showman that the people handed over $90, which was $2,400 in today's money. And um, he pocketed it and just kept going. That's not a... Very memorable scam. He set up phony betting shops mm-hmm. uh, where everyone in the shop was a hired actor. and the, That is the fucking plot of The Sting. And even the radio that they're listening to with the results of the horse race that was the being sting. broadcast from the back room by guys who were in on the scam no with way. him. That's, that's like the rehearsal. Was he a co-writer yeah. of yeah. The Sting? Because that's literally... Maybe a, they b- based it on <clears throat> I think Robert um, Shaw, that's how they burn him, right? Do you remember that? Uh, you know what? I haven't seen the sting. 
That is the grand. Oh well, shit. Spoilers, but Mister Victor Lustig is a huge inspiration for the plot of the Sting. That's a really right. wild. That's like a cool scam, though. So people think they're in an off-track betting thing, and yeah. they're listening to their thing, and it's all fake. It's what weird that I bet you other... he doesn't get credit for the plot yeah. of that movie. Let me see, and it's a hit movie, right? So he would he posed for this scam for some reason as a European aristocrat named Count von Kessler. Oh I do like God. his names, and, and his he would characters. get wealthy people to visit his betting shop, and no matter who they bet on the opposite whatever or someone else would would win and they would lose all their money uh and yeah he just had guys with microphones in the back room coming through the speaker of the radio broadcast basically wow yeah robert shaw is the uh, the mark of the the big scam and the sting all right chris before you asked about if he w- was a lover yes i'm gonna tell you in oh. guess what they don't have victor lustig credited as a writer on imdb <laughs> He should have been in the Writers Guild of America. Yeah, he got screwed. He got conned by Hollywood. He got conned by Hollywood. By the biggest con artist yeah. of them all. In 1919, Victor married a pretty woman from Kansas named uh, Roberta Norrett. Now, was this on the up and up, or did he want something from her? Well, oh, he shit. also had a Let secret family. Let me guess, he didn't family. believe in love. No, he had a secret family on whom he lavished all his ill-gotten gains, uh, and the rest he spent on gambling and on his lover, Billy Mae Scheibel, who is the buxom owner of a million-dollar prostitution racket. So he's got a, he's a very complicated man. He probably was genuinely in love with Billy Mae. They probably yeah. shared stuff together it, because they were both... Just description the, made me fall in love with her. I always fall in love with anyone who's described as buxom. Yeah, I was going to say, in your research, they, I guess, described this woman as buxom. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was her scam. She was scamming men left, right, and center. Yeah. Yeah. Look at these I just boys. Got scammed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Officer, I got scammed. I got scammed. <laughs> by what? Uh, I don't know. She was buxom. <laughs> oh, you got to see her. And then the officer, go, the officer comes back. I was scammed too. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, the whole damn town has been scammed. <laughs> beep beep. <laughs> beep beep. <laughs> Do you guys want to hear, after I'm, I teased it off the top, do you guys want to hear what the Romanian box You know who else was? teased it off the top? This buxom uh, Billy May. Yeah. <laughs> Billy Scheibel. Billy May is my Billy love. May Scheibel, yeah. Uh, Billy May is my, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the buxom babe <laughs> con me out of my door. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the Romanian box... A.K.A. the money-making machine. Ooh, this, this is his big one. This is uh, The two big ones are coming up right one after another right now. This is the stupidest idea. It makes the jewelry inspecting thing uh, look like really sophisticated uh, <laughs> okay. in comparison. So, in the early 20s, Lustig uh, came up with a the idea for a literal money-making machine scam, which he would claim could print money. So, he would find a mark... Uh, and they he tell them like I have this thing that can basically print counterfeit money, can't be detective, uh, detected. And he would take his mark to like a luxury hotel. They would eat and drink, have a few drinks, and then he'd bring the mark to his private hotel room to show this thing he called the Romanian box. It was a small cedar box with dials and uh, buttons on it. And he claimed that it could copy banknotes using radium. Right? This is the 1920s. Mm-hmm. And and did they think it was illegal? Yeah, they knew it was counterfeit. But but he's like, you can't pass this up. It makes yeah, money. Like it, so you know, he would take a genuine one hundred dollar bill from his wallet and put it into the box, into the Romanian box, in uh, into one of the slots, 
and turn a lever that sucked the bill into the into the box. Yeah. And then he would tell them, and then he would put a piece of blank paper in and say, yeah. like, that's what the, it's going to spit out a, a, a d- duplicate. And then he would money. say, now turn around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then he would tell them, it takes six hours to copy the $100 bill. So they would go down and have more drinks and you'd get the, the mark a little more uh, drunk. And when they returned, he would take out two like pristine $100 bills because he had hidden another $100 bill in the machine to begin with. And the drunk person would be like, oh my God, this is genuine. You're, you're not lying. The Romanian box can counterfeit money perfectly. And he would sell this useless machine to people for upwards of $30,000. Oh my God. In the 20s? Which apparently is like $800,000 these days. Oh my God. So it would be a wealthy person that he would Yeah, almost a million dollars for this piece of shit. Did you say it was a wooden box? It's a cedar box with like shitty brass, like a brass crank and some buttons on it. He just like... Oh my God. I told you I like this guy before. Yeah. I really like this yeah. guy now. That's amazing, and the balls on this. I wonder guy. if it made noise. Not to be like, like you know. did he? Because like, if you just put him in, wouldn't you need to hear like a meemer, meemer or something? I don't know because he said it used radium, some mysterious gas or like oh. uh, chemical. I don't know, but like that's how he'd say it too. This is it's like a mysterious gas or chemical. I don't know. Come on, let's go get drunk. <laughs> Some like some like rob like I don't know in the 1920s jazz age just some like drunk like uh, yeah. ba- robber baron or something. Yeah. like oh if it's a box that can print money and you give. Did he make it to the Great Depression? This is yes he did yeah yeah. So whoever he sold the box to obviously would never be able to reproduce the magic that he had seen in the hotel room. But Victor Lustig he bet that because it was a it was an illegal thing, a counterfeit thing, that his mark wouldn't go to the police because they'd be like, why were you trying yeah. to counterfeit money? Yeah. That's smart. That's perfect. And it, so, it's really funny funny imagining like a Monopoly, the guy who looks like the Monopoly guy with a top hat, a little guy <laughs> taking the box home and being like, here we go, and putting his $100 in and just nothing happens at all. Yeah. Oh my and he had to God. wait six hours too so Victor could get out of town oh, Wow! Um, while the guy was waiting for the magic to happen that's really smart he, yeah he once sold a romanian box to a uh sheriff in texas so picture this this romanian or this like european aristocrat guy with like a texas sheriff who's like it's a box of prince money and um he sold it to the, the sheriff and when he realized he'd been tricked the sheriff tracked him down and fo- found him in chicago and when he was confronted uh victor he apologized and he was like, I'm sorry, the box isn't working properly. And he compensated him by giving a big wad of cash that was counterfeit. <laughs> oh, my God. So the, the, the sheriff was like, okay, <laughs> thank you. The dumbest cashier. Yeah. But then the sheriff realized too late that it was counterfeit money. And then he spread the news to like other police uh, stations or police mm-hmm. departments across the country. Yeah. And- How did this sheriff know they were real police officers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine tricking a, sher- a Texas sheriff. That's so funny. Like, yeah, this is this magic box that um, makes money. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a real human? Like, after he's been tricked so hard, like, he starts him. doubting everything. <laughs> yeah, pinching his own face. Yeah. <laughs> Am I in a room right now? <laughs> <laughs> 
no, thank you. I will drink my own milk when I get back home because I know I put milk in my own fridge. Like someone offers him a drink. Imagine Chuck, like Chuck Norris, getting home and having to explain to his wife why they have no more Walker, savings. Texas yeah. Ranger. Oh shit. Um, I got a, I got you a new jewelry box. That's it. You can put your jewels in it. Uh, just here, take it. <laughs> now, this is the craziest uh, scam he ever pulled. So I mentioned before he was known as the man who sold the Eiffel, the Eiffel Tower. Oh, yeah. So he got out of America in 1925. He uh, pulled off his biggest scam of all, selling the Eiffel Tower. And here's how he did it. So the Eiffel Tower was like 36 years old at the time. It had been in Paris since 1889, since the ex, um, the World Fair, World's Fair, mm-hmm. and it was never intended to stay forever. And so it had fallen into disrepair, and it was it needed a, a lot of money to repair it and make it look good. And people were like, "Does it fit with the city's architecture?" So there was this newspaper article where he read that the city didn't know what to do with the Eiffel Tower and it was like falling apart. And so he had the idea that he he got some forgers to make him some like Parisian city council like um, letterhead and he sent letters inviting six of the city's top scrap metal dealers to a secret meeting in a fancy hotel where they had like the dinner and drinks and he was like you're all very honest businessmen so that's why I contacted you because we're getting rid of the Eiffel Tower because it's an eyesore and we want to open it like a contract for bidding so one of you scrap dealers can bid and you'll get the Eiffel Tower oh and you can God. sell it for scrap, right? So they were like, oh, this guy is like from the city. He works for the city of Paris. He's uh, It's above board. And he noticed that one scrap metal dealer in particular, whose name was Andre Poisson, was like super eager uh, to do this because he thought that getting this contract would like raise his standing in the Parisian, like the higher circles of business in Paris because he was like new to town and he wanted to like be uh, make a big deal make a big deal and like be known as like a, a, a person to to know in Paris and so uh, Victor had a secret meeting with him he was like I know you you are the right person to buy this and he let it slip and he's like you know I don't get paid very well uh, by the city if you know what I mean and so the scrap metal dealer on top of paying he bribed him a bunch of money. He bribed him so he could have the Eiffel Tower. And then Victor Lustig was like, okay, here's the contract. Here's your deed or whatever to the Eiffel Tower. And this guy paid um, $20,000 to purchase the tower and $50,000 as a bribe. Uh, and I guess that was in old times money. So it would be much, much more. Sorry, it was $1.1 million in today's money. Wow. And... As soon as like before the still a good deal for the Eiffel Tower. Eiffel Tower. Yeah. Before the contract, uh, the ink on the contract had dried. Um, Victor was on a train to Vienna, uh, and then the guy with a million dollars, basically. Yeah. And the guy then, uh, not too long after that, realized like what that this is this whole thing is fake. He couldn't sell me the Eiffel Tower, of course, and I don't own it now. And I just gave a guy a million dollars. Oh, my God. <laughs> what? So that'd the- be like if I went to someone and I was like, I'm going to sell you the CN Tower for concrete. Yeah. Oh, my God. And he just wore a suit and we're like, here's my business card and it says City of Toronto on it. So he could go to the police and say, I just gave a million dollars to a man who was 
as charming as a young woman's dream. He's <laughs> <laughs> every police officer's favorite boy. Yeah. <laughs> as charming as a police officer's dream. Now, this guy, he was too humiliated to go to the police. So he killed himself. I don't know about that, but he didn't go to the cops. And then uh, some time uh, passed, like a month later, Victor Lustig came back to Paris and tried to pull the scam again with a new Batch. group of scrap metal dealers. But yeah. one thought something was fishy and told the police. And then Victor got on an ocean liner to America before he could be That's arrested. That's pretty bold because you got to think yeah. Paris's scrap metal guys at least talk to each other. I mean, you'd hope so. The high of constantly making money off of constantly selling the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> it's hard to replicate. <laughs> you just get addicted to yeah. it, right? Imagine the gl- glamorous life of a Parisian scrap metal dealer. I couldn't stop trying to sell the Eiffel Tower to fools. I was intoxicated. <laughs> the thing is, is uh, that's the one sad part about being a con artist is you're constantly on the move. It would be hard to lay down roots yes. to have a family, you know. Say like, you like a particular team in a city, and you're, you can't yes. spend time there watching. Yeah, them. he has to Absolutely. throw like new era hats in the garbage every time he hops on the train. <laughs> <laughs> and like Chris, you just got a nice new place. You got a yard and everything. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this guy wouldn't be able to do that. No, trust me, he would have millions of dollars. Speaking but- as a guy who just got a new place with a family. It's hard to find a way to leave. <laughs> <laughs> a couple more things. He he scammed Al Capone. Oh, right. You the know, brass I'm, balls on this guy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's fucking Al Capone over here. From one Scarface to another, I guess. <laughs> oh, good one. In 1925, he's hey, everybody here got the Scarface. <laughs> he swindled Al Capone with a weird scam. I don't even know if it, it was like worth it after his. Eiffel Tower thing. So it was not a straight out con, but uh, he wanted to make just a little bit of cash. So he asked Al Capone uh, to give him $50,000 to invest in a crooked scheme. Then he kept the money. He didn't invest it. And he came back two months later saying that the scheme had failed and he gave Al Capone his $50,000 back. So Al Capone was like, oh, this guy's honest. He didn't screw me over. He gave me back my investment. And then Lustig started laying it on thick that like, oh, it failed and I've got no money now. I, I'm going to die on the street. And he gave a sob story. And then Al Capone just gave him $5,000. And was the 50 grand he gave back counterfeit? No, apparently it was real. I don't know uh, why. So it was like not a huge scam. Yeah, maybe. and if it had gone wrong, Al Capone would have killed him. Like, Yeah, that seems like a not worth it, I'm going to say. For $5,000. No. After like, he made a million, yeah. No, that's. But I mean, this guy was clearly a friggin' like maniac. Like he, he's tightrope walker, not afraid to take risks. Yeah, no, no risk, no reward. You know, I really respect him. Yeah, he's, he's the best of us. So, uh, yeah, the Eiffel Tower was like the highlight of his career, and we're gonna hear about how he finally was captured and what yeah. happened afterwards. So, yeah, like how do you catch that high in in America too? Uh, There's no Eiffel Tower. N- no Eiffel Tower. No Seattle Space Needle. Uh, CN Tower. He could have gone up, gone up to Toronto yeah. in the 70s. Yeah, but he'd have to wait a bit. Yeah, he'd have to wait a bit. <laughs> hmm. Um, it his downfall came from counterfeiting because he did too much of it. So in 1930. He started a counterfeiting partnership with two guys from Nebraska, um, pharma- a pharmacist named William Watts and a chemist named Tom Shaw. Yeah, Nebraska's a bad bad neck of the woods. You don't 
start a counterfeiting operation in Nebraska. I actually did a high school play that went to Nebraska. How'd it go? For a theater tournament um, or festival. Uh, it was fine. Did you get Nebraska. conned by some Nebraskans? Yeah. Uh, no, no, but uh, it was right before 9-11. <laughs> Seriously. And then I, I met a girl at the theater festival, and Ooh. she was sort of flirting with me, and I was like, oh, my God, this rules. And she gave me her email. And then when I got home, 9-11 happened, like, right away. And then I was like, well, I'm still going to email her. And then Bad she, move. She, I, I Bad was move. like, in my email, how's it going or whatever? And she wrote back, like, well, my country's under attack, so... So I ruined that flirt flirt session. Damn, never, she shot never, me down. Never emailed her again. Man. So thanks a lot, Bin Laden. Is there anything I can do to help? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sorry about 9-11. Can I help? Do you want to... Do you need someone to come over and console you? <laughs> Let me know uh, if there's anything I can do. Yeah. <laughs> I'll enlist. I mean, I'm only 14, but I'll enlist. Uh, yeah. Try 18. 18. Or possibly 19. So I'm as charming as a young woman's dream. <laughs> so you were the age of consent. Oh yes, absolutely. Anyway, just a little aside. So Nebraska, great we, we put this in context now. Um, so they started this uh, massive counterfeiting operation, and they use these like plates that they would use to print the uh, counterfeit bills. And Lustig organized a ring of couriers to distribute the, the forged money. Uh, he kept everyone in the dark regarding the production and like how they did it, where they did it, and. The operation injected so much counterfeit money into the American economy for five years that it drew the attention of like the feds, and there was so much money that the American economy was in like sort of in danger of like uh, wow. failing because it was just flooded with fake money. Whoa, really? When was this? Sorry, this was in 1930. He started, and they did this for five years. So, in the depression was like 29. Yeah, so this is during the, the depression. Yeah. Wow. The operation was so vast that the American economy was like shaken. Yeah, I'm trying to remember when the Ponzi scheme was because that was around that time too. Yeah, I mean there was a shitload of that going around, huh? If I was a forger, you know what my my alias would be? What, Chris? George Forgeman. <laughs> <laughs> and I would sell Forgeman's grills. So the, the Ponzi, the main Ponzi scheme was in the twenties too. So these guys must have—they were contemporaries. I wonder if they ever got together and talked shop. Yeah, you know, I'd like you to meet my friend Billy May, or uh, talk oh. about the latest uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald short story. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, here's how the counterfeiting operation was undone and how he was arrested. So, uh, one of Victor's mistresses, Billy May, the buxom mm-hmm. lady. Yes. Now, we all love Billy May. Yes, we, we've yes. all said it. She learned that Victor was betraying her no. for one of his scam partner's mistresses. So it's like a web of mistresses. Dude, you've already got yeah. Buxom Billy May. Yes. You don't need to keep uh, looking. Yeah, exactly. What's the thing Rob Ford said? Oh, um, I've got plenty to eat at home. <laughs> uh, people saying I eat uh, Olivia Gondock's pussy. Uh, that's not true. i got plenty to eat at home. Yeah, yeah. I, Look, I can't believe it. Yeah, and he's like, "We're gonna spank those Thai cats this weekend." For the <laughs> so Billy May, the buxom proprietress of the brothel, she got pissed and she took revenge and she called, I guess, the FBI or the federal authorities, and told them that he and his friends were behind this counterfeiting ring that was like destroying the American economy. And on May tenth, nineteen thirty-five, Victor was arrested in New York and charged with counterfeiting. According to a newspaper at the time, when he was arrested, he said, 
Well, boys, here I am. <laughs> wow, classy to the end. Yeah, that is cla- that is classy. There's nothing yeah. something something than a woman's scorn. Yeah. Mm. And he he buxom woman's scorn. <laughs> Victor had been pretty slippery up to this point. He had avoided arrest uh, because he was so wily and a slippery smoothie. A slippery smoothie. And mm-hmm. I thought this detail was funny. He Sounds like a sle- seal. Give me a slippery smoothie. <laughs> um, he traveled with a trunk of disguises usually, and he could transform himself into things like uh, a rabbi, a priest, a bellhop, or a porter. Sounds like uh, Fletch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, he didn't have time to dress up like a rabbi when the police found him in <laughs> New York City. So it'd he, be funny if it's like he's he half looks like a bellhop, half looks like a rabbi. <laughs> yeah, he got like a, a shapeshifter he, that he dressed gets, in like, the dark. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> well, here I am, boys. What are you? <laughs> I am a rabbi bellhop. <laughs> I'll carry your luggage up to your rooms. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> he's so slippery get this guys uh the day before his trial the, the damn guy he escaped from the federal house of detention slippery. in new york yeah uh, smoothie he's a slippery smoothie he f- pretended he was sick and then he he fashioned a rope f- literally from bed sheets he cut through his bars and, s- and this is a detail swung from the window like an urban tarzan you know all the stuff that our era like we know now in our generation. Yeah. yeah. They didn't know back then. Yeah, they're they're they were dumber. They were like, you could tie bed sheets together. <laughs> they hadn't seen it in like a hundred cartoons yet. <laughs> How come that rabbi's jumping out a window? <laughs> yeah. Um huh. so yeah, he's out he's escaped from the goddamn uh, detention center, uh, and the police were like, No. Uh, but they caught him 27 days later in Pittsburgh, home of the Steelers. Can I do oh. my impression of what a slippery smoothie sounds like? Yeah. <laughs> wow. So smooth. Yeah. And slippery. So he had been caught uh, and his trial. He pled guilty and he was sentenced to 15 years in prison on Alcatraz Island. Whoa. For oh, classic. His, for his original uh-huh. charges. And he got a further five years for uh, escaping from prison and swinging like an urban Tarzan. But that wasn't in The Rock. No, that was when he escaped in New York City. Wow, he went to Alcatraz. Yeah, so he was imprisoned in Alcatraz. Um, and this was... Uh, yeah, he... For, he stayed there for a few years. Then in 1947, sadly, Victor contracted pneumonia. And the prison officials thought he was faking it again. Because uh, last time he pretended to be sick boy, in jail. He, cried wolf. he escaped mm. from the uh, jail like an urban Tarzan. <laughs> right? And they waited too long to send him to like a prison hospital. And then they were like, oh, shit, he does have pneumonia. Oh, and shit. He died uh, at the medical center for federal prisoners in Springfield, Missouri. He probably or thought he that's was, what they think. He probably mm-hmm. thought he was tricking the virus. Yes. <laughs> wow. He, and that's the story of um, the famous con artist Victor Lustig. Very good. Very interesting. Thanks, Mike. It was fun. That was the best episode yet. And also, some say he's still out there. And wow. well, thank you, Chris. It's very nice to hear your compliment. Can I? There's a little fun thing. He. Okay. Some people have attributed something called the Ten Commandments for Conmen to Victor Lustig. It's it's imagined that he it's rumored that he wrote these uh, rules for con artists. Do you want to hear them? Sure. Yes. Okay. So uh, the rules are: be a patient listener. Uh, it is this, not fast talking, that gets a con man his coups. Never look bored. Uh, 
Really? Never look bored. Never look bored. Wait for the other person to reveal any political opinions, then agree with them. That's smart. Uh, yeah. Let the other person reveal religious views, then have the same ones. That's smart. Right? I don't get this one. Hint at sex talk, but don't follow it up unless the other person shows a strong interest. Okay. I don't know. Um, well, because um, if you come across too crass or uncouth, pervy. right? They but won't if trust the person you. likes right. it, then yeah. you can take advantage of that. So we have yeah. a little secret. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, never discuss illness unless some special concern is shown. Huh. Never mm-hmm. pry into a person's personal circumstances. They'll tell you all eventually. I'm going to become a con man, dude. Never boast. Just let your importance be quietly obvious. Oof, that's going to be tough he for me. He seemed like he boasted, but maybe he didn't. <laughs> Never be untidy, right? We heard about he dressed impeccably, had a nice uh, wax mustache. Mm-hmm. And, that's a yeah. good point. If someone's... You could be a slob con artist. If someone was a slob and like, I'll, I'll <laughs> value your diamond, you'd be like, no. I'll sell you the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like one of those... American like gamers, like, like <laughs> yeah, he's wearing like a big like hooded sweatshirt with like a esports team logo on it. Some Monster Energy drink, yeah, yeah. like a fucking redneck beard. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to sell you the Eiffel Tower. Like you can use it for whatever you want, scrap metal or whatever. You've got salsa all over your vest. I'm not buying Eiffel Tower from you. Yeah. That salsa's from a very expensive party. <laughs> uh, final commandment, never get drunk. So he'd do well in Qatar right now at the World <laughs> Cup. Oh, That's very true. good. Yeah. Congratulations, Victor. Yeah, so there you, you got go. You nailed it. Very good. Very interesting. Victor Lustig. A fun walk down uh, Victor Lane. Yes. <laughs> well, um, Mike, uh, what do you think? Should we bring out the evilometer? Oh, and look at him. He's got a little tiny waxed mustache. Ah, He's, he's uh, got a little monocle in his eye like he's a, a count or an yeah. earl. Aww. Hey, he's also got a little like uh, cylindrical hat on his head like he's a bellhop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he has a Romanian box. Oh, oh I'll take any... one of those. No, How no, much? Chris, don't, what? don't, don't. <laughs> it's too good to be true. It's, it's too oh. good to be true. Nuts. I want to be rich so bad. Um, wow. So it's score time. James, what do you think in terms of Victor Lustig's score on the Evilometer? Wow. Well, it's going to be low. I don't, I mean, I don't really, he, he tricked some, it's what it seems just like he tricked some rich people. I mean, that's, and he tricked people with, with, with hubris already. It does feel like that. I mean, of course it would be really shitty to lose a million dollars to some idiot yeah but but think of your desires as to why you want to give this man a million dollars that's true you want to get rich i mean you're right the money machine is outright (laughs) uh greed like he's 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 you know uh he's playing playing on on their greed yeah imagine having to tell all of your colleagues and employees like remember last week when i told you that we just won the contract for the eiffel tower yeah uh like flat out mike if you said oh guys it's a bit crazy but i think for my life savings I'm going to buy this machine that can like do- like pr- you know make a duplicate of any money. <laughs> I think Chris and I would both go like, "Mike, don't do this." But isn't yeah. this sort of the story of that Sam Bankman-Fried guy, like the uh the crypto guy? <laughs> what did he Was he the 
Was he with FTX? Yeah, yeah. The whole thing, they just like everyone's money just disappeared. And, and I mean, crypto is sort of, in a way, it could be seen to be a Romanian box. Uh, hot point. take, hot it take. It has taken advantage of greed. Like, it's. Well, I remember someone saying to me years ago, like, people are saying it might only be able to go up. Like, right. right. And that was not true, clearly. That's amazing. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, oof. Keep in mind, he betrayed Billy May Scheibel. That's true. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. One. I like it. Okay. You know why? Why? Because he's he's as charming as a young woman's dream. <laughs> I was charmed by him, and I admired his gusto and his panache. Officer, get in here. You like Tell him, me, Chris. I like this guy. I, I would hope to not me or my family or loved ones or friends be skimmed by him. Officer Locke, get in here. Tell me the dirt on this uh, Victor Lustig. Well, Sarge, he's as beautiful as a young girl's dream. Enough said. <laughs> but here's the thing about evil. Yes. Um, the and the world. In my opinion, there needs to be a slight punishment. Also, for being a fool. Mm. And I've been a fool and a greedy fool. I've genuinely mm. be, been scammed mm. once or twice. Mm. You know. And, and you bought Casaloma, or so you thought. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I showed up with all these Red Hot Chili Peppers posters <laughs> to put on my new bedroom wall. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Chris goes in Casaloma and s- starts putting up Chili Peppers posters, and the like. some waiter comes in, uh, Sir, you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bought this place. You work for me now. <laughs> <laughs> you have this like ravioli stain on your shirt. Did somebody order pizza pizza? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, put it on my our uh, my our, our kitchen, my kitchen. Like we fight with this. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's our kitchen, sir. <laughs> Give me that. The pizza goes everywhere. Yeah, you owe me a new pizza. Um, okay, I give him one point five. Whoa, it's hard. Well, I guess I could do lower. But do you guys understand? No, what okay, I mean? one point three. No, no, go. No, go one point three. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to no, make no. you second guess it. But do you guys understand what I mean about the world needs balance in regards to the f- fools as well? Ah, uh, yeah. They're neat. And he kind of was this weird equalizer for that. Reminds me of that show. The, the equalizer. equalizer. <laughs> Reminds me of that too. <laughs> like the one with Queen Latifah? Yeah. Is she in the equalizer? I don't know. She's in some she's kind in of cop some, show. some and there's a clip that went that's on the Twitter that's pretty funny. It's funny because yeah. she shows how much she doesn't care about being in the show. <laughs> <laughs> like she's not acting at all, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mike, I can't help but notice you're being awfully quiet. Well, boys, here I am, and it's time for me. Remember how we said that to the cops when they arrested him? Oh yeah, um, okay. great callback. Yeah, yeah. Remember? Uh, okay, so Victor Lustig. Um, he he seems like a pretty funny guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't want to be scammed by him, like you said, Chris. Um, but he went after rich guys during uh, boom time in the twenties, and then uh, just made counterfeit money. Who cares? Uh, yeah, I'll give him a one. No, I'll give him a point eight six. Whoa. Whoa. That might be your lowest score yet. That might be the lowest score yet. Yeah. I just feel bad for Billy May. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder what happened. She get a a nice a nice buxom Wait, wasn't she a con artist too? She She ran ran a brothel. A a brothel. Which, you know, is kind of like conning of the human flesh. (laughs) Well, that's true. (laughs) Your body thinks this girl likes me. Yeah. Mama, take care of me. Yeah. 
Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> the views expressed by Chris Law <laughs> do not reflect. Uh, but, yeah. No, I'm just. <laughs> Pimps have that way. Yes. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Human weakness. You're being conned. Your emotions yeah. are being conned by a pimp. Yeah. Or a madam. Right. So, That's all I meant. No, it's well. She seems like she might have been. A if bit... I offended an escort, I apologize. <laughs> Come and talk to me about it, and maybe we can work something out. <laughs> uh, to any of our, oh, sorry, Chris, were you gonna? <laughs> to any of our wealthy, this is a comedy podcast, and I'm literally through and through 100 percent clown. <laughs> Clown blood. That's what it says on your Twitter uh, bio. I Um, have relatives that were fucking clowns in my lineage. To any, and this is, I'm being very serious right now. They probably slept with escorts. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, that's a, you wouldn't think of a a clown having sex (laughs) with an escort. (laughs) (laughs) The honking horn going as they do it. (laughs) That's the sound of the dick getting bigger. (laughs) I'm so, I'm making it way worse. I just, on a serious and red, note... And like, you know, the red hair on the yeah. head? That's his pubes. And he oh, got a red gosh. nose on his <laughs> dick head. He's a condom. Yeah. <laughs> I just come in my own nose. <laughs> Save five bucks, eh? <laughs> oh, I don't have a condom, but I got something else that works just as good. <laughs> Let me take it off. (laughs) This is how we do in Nova Scotia. (laughs) (laughs) I I was going to warn our wealthy listeners if they're wearing their jewelry out to a gala Mm, or a ball, not to fall under the spell of a sophisticated young man who wants to appraise their jewelry. Very smart. Yeah, and if you're a clown, yeah. spend the seven ninety nine and get buy some Trojans. Don't use your damn nose. For a you know, I remember something about a condom experience recently. Oh, I remember the first time oh, okay. I was I ever saw a condom. Yeah. A kid had brought condoms to school, like a bad kid. Yeah, and he gave them to some of us. So I went home with like uh, a condom, and it was a sheepskin condom. No, Ooh. and I remember. What I, what what is that like? I always think of even to this day think of sheepskin condoms of being like furry like sheepskin jackets. I think jackets. of it like leather. <laughs> oh. I guess they're for people who are allergic to latex. latex but okay. I was like a kid and I went home with this thing and I thought I was like it was awful to have and I remember going to the bathroom and <laughs> Putting it on <laughs> and masturbating, and then I couldn't throw it away in the garbage because I didn't want anyone to see it. So I brought it back to my room and then went to the park and threw it in the away in the park garbage can. And then I found it. <laughs> oh wow! Amazing. So my first experience, sexual experience, was with a sheepskin condom. Amazing. Wow. I'm really I'd love to go back to that park. And I'm really look proud around. of you yeah. for sharing this. Yeah, that. Yeah. What a bomb to drop it right at the end. It's <laughs> really good. I always like. Sometimes I've been with a woman, you know, and sure. lately it's always been my wife. Yeah, for yeah, years yeah, now. Yeah. yeah. But I will say, even in the old days when I was a sailor, you know, and I went from port to port, yeah, yeah. Um, 
so we're going back now for quite a while. <clears throat> but when I was a sailor and I'd go port to port mm-hmm. and I would get a woman up to a room, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. before going to uh, the tattoo shop after, obviously with my friends. Um, she would be there waiting for me on the bed. And I don't think I need to go into too much explicit detail for you guys to imagine how she was waiting for me. Sure. What she looked like. Yes. And of course, that would arouse my, you know, libido. And yeah. I would be erect. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah. I'd lick my lips okay. like yeah. a hungry man. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then I'd go, now to put sheepskin on my cock. <laughs> While I looked at this beautiful woman waiting for me, and it never, it never turned out the way I wanted it to go. Ah. After I put the sheepskin all around it. Once you bring the barnyard into the bedroom, ah. <laughs> yeah. Why don't I just put a fucking chicken on it <laughs> and let the dog lick it? <laughs> <laughs> this is the best podcast I've ever listened to. <laughs> Don't mind that pig running around. He's harmless. <laughs> Get in here. <laughs> oh, you didn't close the door, honey. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, but it is true. Like, Jesus Christ, how do you do it with, yeah. like, you know? I mean, you really want to do it, so yeah. you power through, but Jesus Christ, it sounds awful. <laughs> Well, should we wrap this up and maybe we should continue this conversation in our bonus episode? Yeah, let's do it. Well, because I'm fully satisfied. That was extremely, yet again, another great episode of... This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar!